Welcome to the Theory of DFS podcast. I'm Jordan Cooper, the co-author of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. Join me as usual, Neil, Neil Lawfield, uh, yeah, whatever, whatever your name is. Close Player enough. Q DFS, uh, the, uh, the host of the High Stakes podcast on the, on the, on the Stochastic Podcast Network. Right, the name change. Stochastic. I'm wearing, so I'm wearing the old Osmo hat today right. because uh, it's a classic now. Right, retro. It's, it's a nice hat. It's it's almost yeah. like a Diamondbacks hat. It is. Yeah, it's pretty pretty similar. Right. So the the name change just so to people people I mean people think of Alex as Osmo. Yep. And to get the okay, well, what happens if Alex leaves, dies, does something else? Uh, maybe maybe the name the, the site's name shouldn't be his name. That what he's known for. I'm assuming that's yeah. the reason for the brand change. Yeah, I don't know if I got the the full story, but I think that's part of the reason. And just like they, they just don't want the entire uh, brand to be focused on one person when there's a whole lot of people working on, at the site at this point. So maybe they want to, you know, have a more universal uh, name for the site. And yeah, maybe I, I have no idea what what Alex's plans are long term. I don't. Uh, I know that he's slowed down his volume in DFS. I don't think that he's planning on. I haven't heard that he's planning on retiring or stepping aside anytime soon, but I guess sometime down the line, this makes that more possible. Well, he was he was in the MMA uh, qualifier, whatever. He's he's in the championship. He's got two entries into round two, so I know he's still I know he's still playing, right? He's still playing plenty. Uh, but uh, uh, the, the the past the past two weeks or whatever for the to try to get in, it's uh, as, as I call it, it's people going to duplication station. Right? Well, we call you the dupe guy. Right, I'm dupe the dupe. Right, Cooper. of course, I'm the dupe guy. <laughs> right now, the pro- the problem that that existed this past week for that was that before the Cerrone Lazan fight got canceled, they were I I thought there were three valid uh, cash lineups. Right, I mean like like high yeah. win probability, high median lineups, and two of them had Cerrone in it. So uh, once uh, Cerrone's fight gets canceled, it's like, well, that's the lineup. And uh, yep. just I'll I'll four to six move on. So you got to play the, the cap right. Line. You got to you got to play. I mean that's what I was ex- uh, describing on on this morning's DFS pregame show. Just yeah. As, a, as I said, I watched the first half of that. I didn't get through all of it yet, but uh, yeah, it seemed like an interesting discussion. Right. It was definitely fascinating. Here, here, seeing the EV shifts as you add in duplicates and take away duplicates and maybe uh, multiple duplicates. It's an interesting conversation for sure. Right, so in cash, essentially the, the the concept is the reverse of GPPs, right? Yep. We we know as GPP players that duplication slashes your expected value, right? Because you can't win first; you have to split stuff, right? So you get paid less up there. Now in cash games, however, in non-progressive payout structure contests, duplication actually increases the equity that you have. In the contest, it, it means le- you're, that you're less likely to want to be unique in a contest. So we saw in, in the little uh, little uh, explanation on the pregame show that out of six of us, with four out of six advancing, any time a lineup is duped, takes away equity from any of the unique lineups, assuming that all the lineups are, are equal to each other. Right. Yeah. That's the big the big assumption there. So if out of the six of us, if I duped with one other person, me and that other person would end up with more equity, a little bit more. And if it's duped three times, we get even more equity. 
Do four. If it's do five times, we get the most amount of equity. Being that unique, you're in the worst case scenario. So given the choice, if that multiple, if a, if a lineup is is, would you rather have the duped lineup, or would you rather have the unique lineup? The consideration that should be made in that scenario is what is the win probability difference between the two lineups, and it has to be more. The unique lineup has to have enough higher win probability than the dupe lineup to make up for that duplication equity. So I know that that we, we were talking beforehand about uh, you know someone was disagree like someone said that I was disagreeing with some type of concept. Can you can you? I mean we're trans. Yeah, so we, we didn't we didn't we didn't get deep into the conversation. Uh, so I I don't know and I, I didn't get to the part of the show that he was talking about. But he was saying that he had previously had a discussion uh, with Brick seventy five in a Discord about whether playing the medium median optimal in cash games is optimal, quote unquote optimal. Uh, and I, I pushed back a little bit and I said, uh, well I think. Uh, it could be true that what you're saying is true, that the, because of the way people play currently, playing the median optimal is generally the most optimal way to play because people you know, don't really uh, counteract that necessarily. It can also be true that if you know that somebody is going to play the median optimal, that it can be exploitable. So I think it can be true that both things can be true, that it, it is an exploitable style to always play the median optimal and that it is also the most plus EV way of playing against a wide range of people. And then he said, well, it can't be true in terms of like, play. I think I think he was saying essentially that it can't be true in terms of being GTO. Uh, so I think we were kind of uh, cr- uh, missing each other's points a little bit. Uh, maybe, maybe he was saying that it's not, it's not GTO to play the median optimal because it can be exploited. Uh, but, but, so but, I, but it can't, but the, see, see the problem comes in. So the different, what, to, just to clarify, there's a difference between progressively payout structure contests and non-progressively payout structure contests. So the most progressively payout structure contest there is is the millimaker, right? Because of that gap. We were talking about cash games. Right, right. I'm just, I'm just, because right. it, it's two completely separate things and I don't want yep. people to get confused. So in a cash game, let's the most non-progressively paid out contest is a 50-50. So let's say there's a 10-man 50-50. Five get 1.8x their money, right? Because the rate comes out, right? Okay, so in those types of contests, in a 10-man, let's just say a 10-man 50-50, if we all agree on a certain, let's say we all agree with a certain set of projections, right? We have to make an, we have to make an assumption there. We're not saying that, well, my projections are way better than your projections or anything like that, right? If we just say that these are, this is the... the we have the numbers on all the players, like, and we're not refuting any of that. There would be uh, no reason to play anything less than the median optimal. The more it's duplicated, because it's the same. It's the same conversation that I just had with the four out of six type of thing. It's like as the lineups get more duplicated, the unique lineups get gain less and less equity in the contest because it pays out the top five and you get paid the same amount in the top five regardless. Mm-hmm. So the equity that you retain, if everyone was unique in the contest and it was a, it was a $2, uh, 50, 50 or something like that or whatever, a dollar, a dollar 50, 50. If everyone had a unique lineup and they all were equal, right. Been projection and whatever, 
the equity that you would have is a dollar is a, is a, is 80 cents, right? It's nine is 90 cents, right? Yep. That, that would be your equity minus 10% because of the rake. Right. Uh, if, if two of us duplicated, the two people that duplicated would have, assuming that all lineups are equal, would have slightly more equity, slightly more equity. And all the other lines would have slightly less. If it's duped three times, we get more, we get more. If it's duped six times, right? It's like, we're guaranteed to at least tie six ways for fifth place. Of course, you're going to lose money, but your equity is actually higher, right? If all, if all 10 of us have the same lineup, like, yes, our total equity is, we're going to lose money in the long run to rake, but our equity can't, as long as we continue to duplicate, our equity can't go down, right? It always just goes up and up and up from that. This is obviously assuming that all the lineups are equal, assuming that we're all dealing with the same exact projections. So in theory, the more duplicated a lineup is in the 50-50, assuming it is the top projected lineup, the more equity you retain. So if you yeah. knew in a 10-man 50-50, if you knew that three other people were playing the top projected lineup, like there would be no incentive to play a lower projected lineup, assuming that we agree on the projections whatsoever. They, they, it's non-exploitable because as long as we agree on the projection, now if you don't agree on the projections, then we get a diff, then it's a different story. So let's say the extreme example, Neil, of it's a 10-man 50-50, and nine people are using the same exact lineup. But that lineup is 20 points lower projected than the median optimal. If you were the unique lineup, should you just play the, 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 the median optimal? That's 20 points higher projected than a duplication of nine. Well, the answer is yes. Because even though, like we said before, well, I thought the duplication raises your equity. I said, yeah, if everything is being equal. But if that if that's the shittiest lineup in the contest, you want you now as long as you have a higher projected lineup in comparison to the amount of duplication, you get the equity. So, like for instance, in the case of uh, of that ten man fifty fifty, if you don't agree on the projections, if you if I let's say I'm using uh, my own projections, and I know that five people in the contest are using the bat optimal. And I look at the bad optimal and the bad optimal projects for whatever. And my projections shows the bad optimal as, as six points lower. Well, six points in projection is worth how much duplication? Let's say in that five, in that, in that 10 man, 50, 50, only two people were playing the bad optimal. And mine, I believe is six points higher projected. It would be better off. Like, should I get on the dupe train? Should I go to duplication station or play my, my, uh, which will be unique because I, I only have my own projections to go by. I mean, it would be beneficial. Sport, <laughs> right. But let's say my projections had the bad optimal, like beat, it beats the bad optimal by one point out of 120. And the bad optimal was going to be duped seven times in that 50, 50, that one point in projection probably wouldn't make up for the seven dupes. No. That raises that my equity would still be under ninety cents in that contest for a one point projection difference, median wise, in my lineup. But if that if my projection was ten points, 
then I believe that I beat that lineup, you know, way more, like 60, 70% of the time, that would be worth it to just play my unique lineup. So like that, that, those bar, those levers of that duplication in a cash contest work that way. So in that, in that, in that hypothesis that, that in Brick's uh, discord of like, is it, is it exploitable to play the median optimal line? It is, should you be just playing the median optimal no matter what, even if it's duplicated or is it exploitable? Like in a non-progressive payout structure contest, if you can't find a lineup that that beats it often enough to be worth the duplication, then it's much better to just just be on that lineup, right? From an equity standpoint, sure. right? So I, my, I assumed that he was talking about head-to-heads in the sense of like one-on-one, where duplication isn't a factor. Doesn't doesn't come. Well, of course, it. It, well, still, it's a factor, right? I guess, yeah, but then you're going to be, if you just play the same lineup, you're going to lose every time. Well, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to have, you're going to get the rate refunded. You're going to have zero. If we both, okay, so Neil, if we both agree on the projections, if we both agree, and I know that my opponent will be playing the top optimal median lineup, and we agree that that is the best lineup, that will have, that will have a, that will give you a, a, a minimum of 90 cents of equity. If I yep. play a lineup that has a slightly less win probability versus that lineup, how is it possible for me to exploit that person? Yeah, so I agree with you. So I, I've been sitting here trying to wrap my, my brain around it. About, so I never actually got through their their entire conversation. Uh, so to be candid, I, I need to go back and, uh, and read the whole thing. Um, so yes, if it has a lower win probability, I agree with you, but that isn't necessarily the same thing as having a lower median, right? Because uh, maybe it is. I'm just I'm, I'm thinking of scenarios where like, okay, it kind of depends on the clumping of the outcomes too. Like if the the clumping is uh, right around that median or further out, there could be scenarios. Yeah, but it's uh, we're going uh, we're going by the pure median out. I mean, we're going by the the median outcome. So let's say we played this, uh, and we're only doing one on one. So like, if we played this out a million times, and we say that here are the median outcomes of both lineups, like it should based on infinity, like one lineup will win fifty point one percent of the time, and the other lineup will be forty nine point nine percent of the time, which means. Like how do how do how do I exploit that in that structure of a contest? If we move on to a to a progressively payout structure, then it's totally exploited. Then then we we go to the other. Then we go to where duplication hurts you, right? But in those in, in formats where at least fifty percent when 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 it's not progressive, like there's there's no reason as long as you agree on the projections that you shouldn't yeah. be playing. The top meeting, you just you shouldn't be playing. If you knew that everyone was playing the same lineup, like you should just not play the contest. Like being unique is not exploitable in that sh- payout structure. Now, where it is exploitable is when people play those same lineups in three mans, five mans, ten man. You know, when the top three payout. You know, like yeah. in a progressive payout structure, because a lot of people just like, I'm going to play my cash lineup and I'm going to play it in everything. And they played in, they don't adjust for any of that. That now you're, now you want them to duplicate. Now, if I'm in a, t- like if I play a 10 man that pays the top three, right? Pays 50, 30, 20, right? For the top three, 50%, 30%, 20%. 
anytime a lineup gets duplicated, the equity actually goes to equally to all the other lineups, right? Because now you do now you can't win 50%. You have to split 50 and 30 and 30 and 20 and 20 and zero. So like if you knew that lineups would be duplicated in a 10-man top three payout, it makes you more, if you knew that, oh, this guy and this guy will have the same lineup and you knew exactly what that lineup was, you would, you would be, you would do whatever it takes to not play that lineup, assuming that the projection difference between that lineup and the next best lineup is still past the duplication point. So let's say that duplicated lineup, this never happens in, in DFS, but let's just say it's duped. There's one lineup duped that's going to be duped twice in a contest. And the next best lineup is seven points lower projected. Like maybe then it's better to just be the three-way dupe because that lineup is just the unique lineups that are, that are out outside of that are just so much lower win probability. But we don't see that even in NBA, we don't even see that. You're going to find that the top 10 optimals are not that drastic or within a half a point of projection difference that that one dupe out of 10, a two way is not worth even playing the top optimal lineup. So like in that 10 man top three, if you knew, if I knew that I could aggregate all the NBA projections and know that, yeah, a lot of people are playing the, this, this optimal, right? And here's this, these, these eight players in a lineup. And I know that at least it's going to be duplicated twice. I should just X that lineup out and go to the next one. And if I think that lineup is going to be duplicated twice, I go like, what's the highest projected lineup that's not going to be duplicated. That would have the highest amount of equity in that progressive payout structure contest. And the smaller the contest is, the more effect it has. If this is a 30,000 person contest, duplicating is bad in that also, right? Having one dupe, but not as dramatic as having like if if one in the 10 man contest your equity is 10%. Right? So if it's duplicated, now your equity in total is 20% combined by two people in a, in a thousand person contest that that's like 200 lineups. Right? So one one entry in a 10 person contest is the equivalent of 100 entries in a thousand person contest and imagine being duplicated a hundred times in a thousand person contest that, that doesn't sound all too good. So I could understand Neil that if you know that people will be playing those types of lineups in small field, three mans, five mans, 10 mans, 20 mans, 50 mans, hundred mans that it, it would, you would automatically gain equity by playing a lineup that is slight, as long as it's slightly, it's not 10 points lower projected, it would be much more, if you could find, if you knew in a 10-man contest that three people were going to play the top opt, and we all agreed on projections, let's say, that yep. if I knew that three three people were going to play the top optimal, three other people were going to play the second optimal, and three other people were going to play, if two, it, it the, the third optimal the fourth optimal is the most profitable lineup you could possibly play, right? I mean, if it's a twenty, if it's a twenty-point projection, right? I'm, I'm talking about in the different. case in realistic realistic situations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. the difference yeah. between these lineups are less than one point. Yeah, right. And I want to say I, I intuitively agree with everything that you're saying. I'm just 
it, it, because I, I don't have a math background, I'm like, am I missing something here? When, when, when he tells me that maybe it's, it's not optimal because uh, it can be exploited, play, playing the optimal, I'm like, I'm trying to think of scenarios how it could be exploitable because it's like, in, in my mind, I'm like, well, any pivot you make is going to be pivoting off the optimal. So it's going to be you're losing value by pivoting off of the top median lineup. So, so I'm intuitively, I definitely agree with you. I'm trying to think through why that could not be the case because I know that the people who are having this conversation have much more math background than I do. So and, and, let's, uh, and let's start thinking about exploitative in other ways. Like it's obviously exploitative if you don't agree with that line. I mean, like if I knew, yeah, yeah, for sure. if I knew my opponent was playing X lineup. If you just told me, Neil, that in today, today's baseball slate, you're playing a cash lineup or for whatever, for whatever reason, you're playing cash contests. And you tell me your lineup. You literally, at 10 minutes before lock go, this is the lineup that I'm playing against you. And I look at my 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 projections, and it's my my projections say that 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 this line, that the other lineup is optimal. Like, I'm obviously... I'm just going to play the lineup that's better than yours. I mean, like, yeah. why wouldn't I? And then if if the lineup that comes up is is the same as yours, like, what? I don't understand what incentive. If that is the best lineup in, in a million scenarios that wins more than 50% of the time versus any lineup that I could choose, like, how could I exploit that unless it's exploiting late news, right? It's it, In NBA, if it's like, if I know that you're going to play a certain lineup and there's late news that could change the projections. And let's say you're playing a lineup that fills the small forward spot with some $9,600 player, even though we don't know whether or not so-and-so is going to play. Anthony Davis is going to be out. Right, or something like that, which will make this other this other lineup better than yours. Then, of course, I could see how that's exploitable. But yeah. that would be exploitable regardless of, of the, only because the lineup that could potentially beat yours is higher. It, it becomes, we both have the same projections and you're just using the seven o'clock version of it. And I'm using the better nine o'clock version, taking on the chance that some, that late swap that you can't do anymore. Like that, to me, that's, that's not even the, the, the question that we're even posing here. We're posing yeah. that none of that, not, that's a different, that, that's exploitative, but it's not exploitative based solely on the, the median projection. Of the lineup, because yeah. like we could take a look. I mentioned it on the show. The three man collusion, are the way that you collude in three mans. If you knew what one opponent, if if you were in collusion with your your friend, if me and you, Neil, yep. we're gonna sit in a three man, right? It's gonna be me and you and some other guy. And if that some other guy joins, and we knew what the, his lineup was or her lineup was, if we knew if that person. Like, oh, this is someone that just plays the awesome optimal NBA lineup or something yeah. like that. Okay? And let's say the top five, let's just say the top three projected lineups are within uh, point one of each other, right? Or something like that. But we knew the first guy was most likely going to play one of the top two lineups, mm -hmm. right? So what, what should we do? I play one, you play two, and as long as the third person dupes with one of us, we split his equity because duping in a three-man negates your, because it's a progressively payout contest. It's winner-take-all for a three-man. So his, the, un, the, the, uh, the unique lineup gains the equity from the duped lineup. And in a three-man especially, 
there's going to be no dupe lineup that, like, dude, if the guy ends up playing a lineup that's five points lower projected, and neither of us do, we gain the equity on that, right? Both of us, because the lineup has much less of a win probability huh. than that. So that's how collusion happens in three mans, where I've, I've always, uh, yeah, I've struggled with that concept before, but yeah, that makes sense now that you right. So the the whole goal from being you is to make sure that at least one of us, that one of us, dupe. Now, obviously, we don't want to be the dupe. Right, so me and you can't play the same lineup because if that guy plays a different lineup, then he's getting the equity that well, we, we have to know what each other are doing too. Right, we have to know what each other are doing and make sure at of no on no circumstance do we play the same lineup. But our goal ultimately is to do all we we don't even have to care about the projection of our lineups whatsoever as long as one of us dupes him. Yep, we split the remaining equity as long as we're working off the same bankroll or whatever. In the long run, if we play out these $100 three-mans, like, every day, we'll just be yeah. splitting. Yes, we're not winning a ton of money, but we're winning a little. We're splitting that equity of the of the third guy by being duped every single, every single day as much as possible. In a five-man, it works out the same way. It's a little bit more risky. As long as you could dupe with one of the other people, in the, in, as long as one of you dupes with, like, a three-man train or something, you gain... The unique lineup that's left gains all of the equity. And if you could predict, especially with the sources that we have out there, right, with RG and with awesome, with stochastic, stochastic. right, like if you aggregate ones together, like you could, you could figure out, I mean, you could keep track and you could keep track. You could go in your three mans and go, yeah, this guy always plays, always plays this right. And then you go, okay, between the two of us, one of us has to play that lineup and one of us has to play. The second highest project, whatever, whatever. Even if our projections are all, let's say we don't agree on the projections. Like me and you agree on the projections, but the third person doesn't, right? So it's like, oh, well, that guy's going to be playing a lineup that's three points, that let's say two points, ends up being, he's playing the 20th optimal, right? But it's only like a point or two lower projected than ours. It would still be better off for me to play the top projected optimal and you to play his lineup. Right. If we knew, if we knew that this source, oh, he goes to ETR and plays the ETR NFL optimal, right? Doesn't play the aggregate, doesn't play whatever. Just like he just plugs in, he has an ETR logo or whatever like that. Plays hundred dollar three mans. Always plays the three. The most likely plays the what me and you should be doing is I play the blitz optimal. You play the ETR optimal. Dupe him, and then we split it. Yep. Like that, I'm explaining how that, how exactly, why yeah. that three-man collusion happens. Now, if you're playing against a guy, a, a thir- or a gar- girl, whatever, I just have to say that. Uh, you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. You're playing against a person that is totally unpredictable on what they're going to play. Like, most likely, you're playing against probably a weaker player anyway. True. And you probably win more often. One of the two of you win first place more often than that third guy anyway. So you're probably fine with that as well, even if you can't predict. But most of the time, if you're playing in the three-man lobby in regular daily sports, you're either finding randos that you probably have an edge on, or you're finding people that always play the same thing. Or always play one of the two. Like, it's like, oh, it's one of these two lineups, or one of these three lineups, or one of these four. And most likely, more more often than not, one of you two could duplicate as long as you're colluding between the two that you never play the same lineup. So that's why a big red, to me, a big red flag, it doesn't prove anything, 
but it is a red flag, a signal that if you play two people, and let's say you you play in the non you play three mans and you play head to heads, and both of these two people are in the lobby playing both of those types of contests. If you see that you're playing player player A in head to heads and they have the same lineup as player B in head to heads, yet player A and player B in your three mans never have the same lineup. Yep. That's not a good sign. That's that's suspicious. Uh, does it necessarily prove anything? No, but it's a pretty pretty fucking big red flag yep. that that if they always have different lineups in three mans. And this and the same lineup in head to heads, and this this is the evidence that people have against yes. certain pros. Okay. Yes, yes. This is that. This is this is the red. Like, it's yeah. kind of, it's kind of to me. It's obvious. Like, yeah. Why else would you be doing that? But I could understand. This is why you can't prove it completely. I could understand having different because uh, I I promote this that depending yeah. on the contest you're in, you should have different types of lineups. Yeah. So if you're playing a single entry hundred man contest. You should have a different lineup than your cash lineup. You should have a different lineup for triple ups than you do for double ups. So it's possible, it's possible that these two people like always have different lineups for th- like I have my head to head lineup, I have my 50-50 lineup, I have my three man lineup, I have my fifty, my five man lineup, and because they have different lineups for different contests, that one of them will have a different lineup. But it just it's a red flag when it's always yeah. Like, even if you were doing that independently and go, well, I'm going to play this in head-to-heads and this in three-mans, they would overlap enough in three, un- often enough in three-mans because they're not talking to each other. So it's yeah. like the type of thing is like, okay, well, I want to play the top optimal in head-to-heads and the second optimal in three-mans. Well, there's going to be some days where both players play the same in three-mans thinking that way because of the combinations well, that are available. okay, but what if what if one of those people... So so they both, you know, both people play the top optimal in head-to-heads. Right. And independently, they both come to different conclusions. One of them decides, I'm just going to play the same lineup in three-mans because I think that it's the top optimal, I'm going to win. The other one decides, I think it's more... Better EV to play the number two optimal in a three-man because other people too often play the top optimal and I can gain leverage on them by playing. Right. And, and, and if, and if, right. But Neil, so it could happen independently. Right. But, but it could happen independently, but after a while, after not much of a while, you will check your three, you'll check your three mans and go, well, this, this, he's, this guy is always, is doing this. So why don't I play the, like the guy that's playing the top, the top optimal, for instance, is noticing that the third guy in the contest is also playing the top optimal too often that he's being duped. So you know what yeah. that person does? Adjust by playing the second optimal, which is what the second guy is already doing, and then they're right. duped. And then you'd be like, well, now I need to play the third optimal because the first guy, like, you have to avoid being duped at all costs. But the fact that that, 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 that third level isn't happening... yeah. Means that that how how is it not that the two people are talking to each other because event eventually either you're you're going to end up being playing the third or fourth or fifth lineup either that happens or they end up duping each other off because they make the same choice it's like rock paper scissors eventually you're going to have rock rock right right so like. Or you're going to be throwing, you know, the sixth option that doesn't exist, rock, paper, scissors, because you're always trying to not duplicate the other guy. 
So yeah. the fact that neither of those are happening, like that's the red flag of like you're right. They could independently come to that, but after a hundred slates, I'm how how I'm likely? Money every time I do a three man with this other guy, right? Or you know, the, the long run I am, so I need to right. adjust. Is what you would probably right. do. And these are high level players, so they probably would adjust if if that was necessary. Right. And I'm not bringing the, the collusion stuff up to talk about collusion as a topic. I'm just using yeah. that as an example of why duplication. How that affects cash games versus progressive, you know, but non-progressive versus progressive payout contests where dupe, and this is where people go wrong, right? You see, you see uh, Twitter complaints of like, oh, these two guys played 150 lineups and they both played similar, like you could tell <coughs> that they both played similar lineups and it's like, oh, they talk to each other and look at, look at how many lineups dupe with one another. Right. And I go, well, you're an idiot because it's a progressive payout. You want them to right. do that. Yep. Right. They, you could, they could tell you, they, someone could tell me, Hey, me and my buddy, we're going to get together and we're going to make the same on 150 lineups. We're going to collude yeah. and make the same, like, like, dude, you're doing work. Like you could Boy. tell me that. And I'd say, please go do it. The problem comes in is, is if I, we both, we, me and you, Neil play 150 lineups and we purposely don't do it. Like we, Purposely, we purposely now. Obviously, there's a baseball slate with even with eight games. There's so many combinations. And who gives a shit at that yeah. point? But let's let's say in a very small type of thing. If I if I say on an MMA slate, like I'm going to play all of these combin these unique combinations that have that have all these these two fighters, and I have a hundred percent of them, right? Of these two fighters, and then your exposures are. 0% of those two fighters and all the other combinations yep. like, and we'd never overlap. That would be more of a, a, an unfair advantage, even though there's so still so many more lineups, it's not as much of an advantage as you think it is, but at least that, if you bring up that, that at least is a case. But the problem is, is that independently, it's quite possible that we came to that, those conclusions completely separate from one another. Sure. Is it a red flag? Yes. Is it proof proof? No, but you do. If that happens like 20 slates in a row, like most likely you, you got them right type type, yeah. type of thing, but duplicating one another in GPPs is not a, you, you would want people to collude that please. Which, and, and that's what do people it. accuse the Chipotle brothers of doing is right. they collude because they sometimes land on the same lineups and it's like, I don't think they're cheating. <laughs> no, actually, that playing. makes it the case that they're not colluding. Exactly, yeah. Because they wouldn't want to duplicate funny, with each funny other. Accusation. Right, and then also they, and then also people come up with the opposite, and they go, "Oh, here's a slate that uh, it's a it's a five game MLB slate, and they have no uh, duplicated lineups between the two of them." And you know what my argument is always? I played lineups, and I didn't duplicate with them either. So like. Right. Am I colluding with, with, with Chipotle Attic? No. The only reason that you're pointing out these two users is because you know they're related to each other. Right. But, like, if it wasn't, like, take a look at any random user, and there's enough lineups available that most users aren't going to duplicate lineups with one another as much as you think. So right. simply the fact that they don't have any duplication isn't, like, this, this like, uh, you know, magic bullet that, like, yeah. that's proof. In now most if, sports, most slates, duplicating is not actually that big of an issue. Right. We talk about it a lot because it's a big issue in MMA and NFL showdown and certain sports and contests. But 
in general in baseball, it's not something I'm that concerned about on a typical slate. I'm still trying to get different, but it's not because I'm trying to not dupe. It's because you gain more equity by being more different than, you know, you don't want to have one view ones versus a lot of people either. Right. But I also wanted to bring this up because of the cat, because a lot of people don't talk about duplication when it comes to cash games. Right. So yeah. that was that, that was that, that conversation. In, in it's an interesting Rick's conversation. Discord. Something I don't think about much since I don't play cash games, but yeah, that right. is. I, I've never told. I've never fully understood the issue with the three mans. Uh, now I think I'm, I'm grasping it better after that explanation. That's interesting. Um, you also just sort of touched on a, a timely, timely topic. I don't know if that was intentional. Topic talking about the uh, colluding to have 300 unique lineups and having you know one player locked in in one set or you know different players. So for example, in NFL, you could have uh, 300 lineups where you have. 150 set that has you know a certain set of quarterbacks and a different 150 set with a completely different set of 150 quarterbacks right uh, which is which is what uh, the accusation is related to Tanner and Jade uh, timely because Tanner just won another mill yesterday right in golf I saw in golf, it's yeah. not as much of it it's is it an advantage like it, it's 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 one of these uh, uh, things of scale. That's a better way of putting it, because I yep. think too many too many people think in black and white and go, they have a humongous advantage or they don't have any advantage, and it's right. not the case. So like in a in that in the PGA Millie Maker, having an extra one hundred, if if they allowed you to build three hundred lineups, it doesn't. I mean, obviously, if you're building bad lineups, actually, it's worse for you, right? Yeah. But let's say it's uh, sharp players. If they were allowed to build three hundred lineups. How much more of a percentage of those lineups are in that? How many people were in that contest? I mean, that's what a contest with what two hundred thousand entries or something, yeah, right? Yep. So what? What if one hundred? Like, let's say two hundred fifty thousand entries. Two hundred thousand entries are in the contest. I want to put that in. Uh, how many is 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 one hundred and fifty of them? Point oh 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 seven five. Okay, so we we adjust that. That's point. That's I mean it's. I mean, 1% of 200,000 is 2,000, okay? So it's it's a fraction of 1% worth of the yeah. con. So multiply that by two. <laughs> right. So instead yeah. of having point, of 1%. Right. Instead of having three quarters, uh, a, a, th- a three, what, three, quad, I mean, not even three quarters of a percent. It's a quarter of a quarter of a percent three quarters of a quarter of a percent. Now you have double that, right? Yeah. Like how much, how much more, how many more lineup? I mean, it did. You don't have that many lineups. Right. Yep. Right. Is it, if you're, if you're building plus EV lineups and you're putting in another 150 plus EV lineups, is it an advantage over people that, that uh, you're taking the place of negative EV lineups that other people could be putting in. So is there, is there a negative impact on your own lineups yes there is yeah. by a very by a marginal extent so for me to yeah. say that because i don't want to say no there's no advantage or no it does not affect you it does affect you by about this much in the three-man yeah. contest we were talking about before that highly i mean that's like egregiously affects you right. way more way more or the fact that people don't make overlapping lineups or whatever like if it was a contest let's say it was a 10-man contest and two people play complementary lineups, one of each, right? That would be more impactful 
yeah. than playing an extra 150 into a 200,000 person contest, right? So if me right. and you, Neil, if we play, if we went into a 10 man, right? Let's say a 10 man in baseball for whatever, we'll just use baseball as an example or something like that. And, and we said, we're going to split the money. We have two entries into this contest. Let's just say it's winner take all to make it easy. And I said to you, uh, I'm going to stack the Blue Jays. And then you're going to go, okay, since you're stacking the Blue Jays, I'm not, I'm not going to touch the Blue Jays. I'm going to stack the Cardinals. Like, mm-hmm. does that give us an advantage rather than you possibly duplicating something that I'm doing? Yes, it does. And especially does in a 10-man contest because the duplication factor mat- matters more. Like, it matters more because we take we each make up 10% of the lineups, not 0.0075% of the lineups. How much of an advantage, quote-unquote, how much of, it's better to put it, how much of a disadvantage do the other eight players in the contest have? Less, Pretty. but not, but, but not dramatic, but still less enough than in a 10-man contest. You wouldn't want two people making complimentary decisions with each other. But that's so much more than 150 extra lineups into, into a 200,000-person contest. So that to me, the clarification is that does it give, uh, does does it put other players at a disadvantage very slightly? Is it enough so that 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 you should be, oh my God, let's 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 hang the guy you know, type of probably not. Right. And also, most of the people that would be doing it, it would have to be in relation to their skill set. So if I knew that my buddy, if some buddy I know here in Louisville says, I'm gonna build 150 lineups, and I know that they build horrible lineups. Right. And it's like, well, good luck. Thank you for entering your bad lineups. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, my other buddy here, he's going to put in 150 also, and we're going to split it. And I know that he's putting in minus EV lineups. I want that. Right. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, yes, they're colluding and building compliment. You play this stack, I play that stack. Let's, you play this pitcher, I play that pitcher. And they're still building lineups that are 30 points lower projected and too high owned. Right. I welcome you. Please. Please build more of a syndicate. Please collude between 10 people and build bad lineups. That's perfectly fine with me. So it's more of the instance of if it's, if it, the better the player is, the more of a disadvantage by, a, and still we're talking about very small margins. So you first with this, with this, with this, with Tanner, for instance, you would have to first off go, do I think Tanner is a good player? And do I think, how much more of a good player is he that a, an extra 150 lineups affects me enough? So the com- combination of the two, it's quite possible that if you believe both, then it affects you very little. It affects you like this much. It does affect yep. you, but very little. Yep. And if you believe that Tanner's a horrible player, it actually affects you positively. So it's like you'd yep. want you would want that to happen. <laughs> Please Still have your wife play. Do do what have your quote unquote wife play. So the only way that that it makes any sense to care is if you believe both things, and if you do, it's like that's why that's why you don't see why do you, why don't you see me complaining about it or you complain or any one fifty maxer doesn't complain. You don't see them complaining about it. The only yeah. the only thing that I would complain about is optics. Yeah, That's what I've always I, I said. To de- right, that that it casual players 
may not understand how marginal of a difference it makes, but it may prevent them from playing the contest. And I don't want bad players, recreational players, to stop playing. So yep. that's the main reason why I've even told, like, draft the VIP, whatever, VOP committee doesn't exist anymore. They disbanded that, so whatever. Uh, but in there, I we would always make, like, you know, lineup sellers. Like, to me, as a sharp player... Lineup sellers are typically bad players. They're not horrible players, but they're not good, right? So I don't care. In GPP, sell all the lineups you want. I want people to duplicate. You know, you're a fucking idiot then, right? But even in cat double-ups or cash games or whatever, head-to-heads, feel free to do it. Like, I'm I'm going to be better than the lineup sellers, so I, I don't care if these people are duplicated. But to, to uh, casual people, when they see the same avatar... When they see the Roto Radar avatar four times with the same score in all their in, in their contests, even at GPP where it's negative, where it actually benefits them, they go, "Oh, these people are cheating, right?" Yeah. They don't even think, right? In cash games, you do get an equity benefit, like we described before, yeah. but in GPPs they don't. But the 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 optics turns off turns off casual, recreational, bad, under, above, less than average players. And I want more of them to play. So I don't want the optics to be bad. Right. So to me, to me, that that situation is all to me an optics thing. But from a mathematical perspective, it doesn't affect, even if it did affect me, it doesn't affect the field enough that I should give a shit. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And I, I, I was thinking about it yesterday, like what... Uh, the person who gets second, I'm sure the person who gets second in this one, if they know about the pass with Tanner is going to be upset that he was not banned. Um, I actually went and read the, the DraftKings terms of service and they're like, yeah, we have the right to, you know, not pay out your money or, you know, we, we have the right at our discretion to do such and such. So there's nothing in the terms of service saying we're going to ban you from playing. Right. The terms of ultimately the terms of service of all of these sites and all these services, eventually you'll get to a paragraph where it basically says we could do whatever the hell we want. Exactly. Yep. Right. We reserve the so right. I don't think, I don't to think do there's any real action that you can take that's going to actually work out for you. Right. But, but opt optically, uh, if if you if you if you are found prove proven by the sites DraftKings FanDuel to be multi accounting and that you shouldn't be able, I mean, truthfully, you should you shouldn't be allowed to play anymore. Right. I mean that yeah. to me. I think that that that's not a controversial opinion. You're breaking the rules in a way that does, even if it's that it's still negatively affecting right. all the other players. And the fact that I'm it's in your term that's the fact that it's in your terms of service. Yeah. If it's not like a lot of people quote the community guidelines. Right. Community guidelines ain't the terms of service. That's that that's why right. the term guide like. I would love the community guidelines to be the terms of service, but it's not, right? Yeah. So, so, but in the terms of service, you cannot you cannot operate two accounts at the same time. That is literally in the terms of service. But you can make a case. Like I, I don't want to feel. I, I feel like I'm a defense attorney here. You can make the case that in order to prove that you are multi-accounting, that draft that they wouldn't have to prove that it was not your wife or your whoever the second person that has that account that didn't physically do it. Right. Right. So like, like, Oh, well the IP addresses are the same. Well, well you're living the same house. 
right? Like it, right. So like they, you would have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt, or at least preponderance of the evidence, that not only that 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 because this is for multi-accounting because the complementary lineups that's in the community guidelines. So community guidelines are worth about nothing. I mean, like yeah. it's there. This is what we we our guidelines. Whether or not we adhere to it. You don't have to agree to it. You don't have to click a box to agree to it. It's just there. The terms yeah. of service, you have to click a box to agree on. So at least from that standpoint, you can't run two accounts at the same time. But they would have but the site would have to prove that you're running both at the and I guess there's enough there's enough uh enough ways of saying like, well, how do you not that I if if me and my wife, my wife doesn't play DFS. Let's say she sets up an account, you know. Marry whoever you want, right? That's the name of her account, right? Uh, and she put, puts in a whatever lineup, sit, like she's in the head-to-head lobby, right? And me and her are playing the same exact lineup because it's really my lineups. Yep. And she's she doesn't have an experience badge, so people are scooping up her games like there's no tomorrow. And then what what's the difference from from a from a from a terms of service perspective of if I if I were to log into her account? And put the lineup that I'm playing in my account lineup in, that could be using two accounts. But what happens if I never log into her account at all? And I just, my wife is in the bedroom with her computer and I say, honey, put this lineup in. How would you ever be able to prove, prove that? Right. Like, how would you, like, she is physically, she is putting it in. And the only thing that I'm breaking is the community guideline of, Basically, making a complimentary strategy between two people off on the side and sharing a bankroll, that type of thing. But we're not operating. I've never logged into her account. I've never touched anything. She makes the withdrawals. She put. She uploads the CSV or whatever. She's like, I don't touch. I may tell her what to do, which yeah. is against the community guideline, but not against the terms of service. It doesn't say in the right. terms of service that you can't tell someone else what to do, right? Yeah. I don't believe so, right? Uh yeah, it might, it might, it might. It might. Well, maybe it does. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably in the community guidelines. I actually, as we're having this conversation, I think that what I read earlier might have been the community guidelines instead of the terms of service, uh, just because that was the the quickest way I found. I spent about two minutes on it just to kind mm-hmm. of see what it said. I think I might have been reading the community guidelines, but I'm not. I'm not sure. Right. They were both under the same. There were tabs for both of them. Right. But all but, I'm, uh, all I'm yeah. claiming is that even though they say community guidelines, that. Yeah, right. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean it. I mean, it doesn't literally doesn't mean truthfully the terms of service. You what they want you to do, right? Truthfully, the terms of service doesn't mean anything because you eventually get to a paragraph that says, no matter what you read above this, we could do whatever the hell we want anyway. So even if let's say DraftKings said we could let someone multi-account, like you couldn't sue them over it because it says in the terms of service they could do whatever they want anyway, and if they want to allow people to multi-account, they can. Yeah. And if they want certain people to multi-account and other people not to, they can also. Like, eventually that paragraph makes them not liable for anything anymore. And you'd have to somehow, you know, to some tort law or some, some, I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but maybe you could, maybe there's a lawsuit from that. But I mean, I didn't want this conversation to talk about collusion necessarily. Right. But yes, I guess, I guess it, it, it came up. To some it's pretty extent. timely. I figure. I figure we had to at least talk about whether whether you had an issue with it or what. Uh, you know, to what extent you think anything should be done. I mean, at this point, do you do you believe that Tanner should be 
banned from playing because he was, I mean, he was pretty, it was pretty clearly caught cheating the last time I would say. Right. No, I think um, I optically, yes, but as a, as a, as a player, no. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. Okay. You so just, that, that's you a better way. Playing those. Yeah. If it's, if it's going to prevent recreational players from playing more, then should be, should be banned. If it's going to, if it's going to make him play more, I'm fine with it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, that's yeah. a better way of putting it. I, is that, yeah. it, I have no pro I have no problem with him playing. Yeah. And you could, you that's, could infer uh, whatever you want from that. Uh, anything. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to spell it out for anybody. What you're saying either. Um, yeah. Uh, wh what if you had gotten second in this contest? Me personally? So, I mean, the second place. Yeah. What, what if you personally had gotten second? How, how would you feel in that, in that case? Would you maintain the same outlook? Intellectually, I would have to, but I would have to count. But, but the thing is, Neil, I would have to calculate the, the, the EV of like, to me, it's infinite EV to complain, right? You understand what I'm saying? Like if I don't complain, if I do literally nothing, if it's a million to first and a hundred thousand a second, and I came in second for a hundred thousand, like if I say nothing, I win $100,000. If I say anything and it possibly has any probability of causing first place to get voided and me to get a million dollars, that's an extra $900,000 to me. So it really comes down to a cost benefit of time analysis of how much I, how much is the, how, what's the, how do I increase my probability of getting the extra $900,000 by yeah. complaining, getting a lawyer, getting right. like doing any how of that. Much, how much money and effort are you willing to put into it right. to get something out of it? Right. But and just even, sim I mean, you, you, yeah. simply spending three seconds to tweet, I have infinite EV because yeah. what's the worst case scenario? I mean, worst case scenario, it's just I stay, best case scenario is I get an extra $900,000. Right. So just from like, like that, that's, that's how, how my brain works. Like yeah. you, you thinking I, about I think how would you feel? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. Like I'm willing to accept anything. He that lineup won. I don't think he should have been allowed to play, but I can't make that decision now or anything right. like that. But hey, if I could get him kicked off and I could win the million dollar, like, like I would do that even if I believe that he should be playing. I mean, like even if I right. like just like I said before, hey, I don't mind him playing all all the like, dude. I could have said for for two for what two and a half years. Let him play. I want him to play all the contests. And then he plays this one. I get second. I'd be the first one to say, ban the motherfucker and ban him retroactively right. and exactly. give me, because yeah. from a monetary perspective, it would be more in my benefit. Even though yeah. it's like, well, didn't you say for two and a half years, he's fine. You you have to live by that. It's like, I don't have to like there's $900,000 at stake. I'll change my mind right now. <laughs> right. In this case, it was only 750. Second place is actually. Oh, okay. That's so different. Now, now, that, now that, that's, not worth it anymore. <laughs> right. Who cares at that point? You still won 250. Yeah. No, I, I think I have the same, same kind of mindset. I, yeah. But it I still feels opti that. optically. It looks pretty bad for fucking DraftKings that yeah. literally they stripped that, that nothing ever came out of what the monetary value. All they know, all you know is that, uh, they didn't make him the first place winner and they moved everyone up a spot. It doesn't mean they that probably paid him out. Right. It doesn't mean that he didn't get the million dollars. He's yep. he's not credited, right? But who gives a shit about that? Like, well, he technically did not win that contest. But I hey, if someone wants to give me a million dollars for not winning a contest, I'm more than I'm more than welcome right. to lose. <laughs> yeah. It looks looks bad for DraftKings. You know who else it looks bad for? DFS professionals. 
We put all this time and effort where this is our every day. We're talking about this stuff. We're theorizing, putting in all this effort and none of us are winning two. I, uh, somebody told uh, Bobby Gomes told me this is his third Millie maker that he's won. This fucking random bachelor guy can just easily win three Millies, making us look bad. What, what was his other one? He, uh, according to Bobby Gomes, he, he thinks that he won one on FanDuel a while back. Okay. Well, we're not sure. I don't know what. I don't know if it's true. Yeah. Okay. yeah he, he wasn't totally sure. He said, I think he won one on FanDuel as well. Right. Well, when you have 750,000 lineups, then I guess that's who right, knows yeah. if it's that's profit. It's unfair. Maybe we're all figment. Maybe, maybe Neil, it's me, you, and the rest of the world is is Tanner Talbert clones, and like, like we're we're the only real people. I'm, we're Tanner Talbert clones, and we're the only real people. No, we're the real awesome. people, and everyone else is a duplicate. Just you and I. You, right. you and I are the only real or, people. Or, or everybody truth, else. Okay. Truthfully, I think I'm the only real person, and maybe you're. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably a duplicate too. Right, and you think that I'm a duplicate, right? Yeah. This is like uh, the Jim Carrey movie, Truman Show. Right. Yeah. This, this is the Truman Show. I'm here to tell you, Jordan. This is the Truman Show. Oh, this is it's, a, it's not a very good show. Who's watching this show? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so point, any any yeah, he was any kind of just going about his busy life. Uh, anything else? I, I listened to your past two episodes with, uh, with whistles and with, uh, with Warren, uh, the, the whistle as, as usual with, with David, uh, you get to hear him talk and not actually gain anything from it because he's not going to, he's not going to tell he you. He doesn't share do. all that much. Right. Which is, which is, which, which is normal. But I mean, it's he's, reasonable. he's as, as personable as he could i mean mean, he's not adversarial but he doesn't mind talking about like playing dfs but like he's he's not gonna he's not gonna no one's gonna tell you what exactly what they're doing especially when they're doing it from a programming standpoint i think the 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 biggest thing that came out of that conversation i think the two what the biggest uh, uh, teaching point as well as just in general uh that David uh, utilizes ownership more than he did in the past. Because I remember yep. his first interview from like two years ago or something. On Lulz. On Lulz, where essentially says he has an ownership module that he doesn't like. And he said on your show that originally he was like, well, if I have the best optimization, why should I care what anyone else is doing? And he, and he pretty much said on the show that, yeah, ownership matters a lot more than I used to think it did. How he utilizes that, he won't tell you, but... No. Because that was the one bugbear that I had with with that interview when he's like, oh, no, I don't care about ownership whatsoever. And I'm like, like, it's you have to care what your opponents are doing. Like, it's a, yeah. it's a peer-to-peer game to some extent. Maybe, maybe there's some quote-unquote game theory optimal, which I hate, obviously, we both hate using that term, <laughs> right? Then we get into that nerdy tenor side of, like... You do have to care what the other people are doing, but you're just, you don't know where their mistakes are. You're just going to do this and it's going to, over the long run, take into account all their mistakes, right? right? That exploitative versus balance type of argument, which is nearly impossible to play balanced. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, you know, I, I think I said on this show, I I don't remember, but I, I think Brick was uh, not, not, he wasn't. 
wasn't calling you specifically, but I was the one who kept bringing that up on the shows because we had that conversation with Brick and the Nerdy Tenor about the exploitative versus balance. So they like kind of introduced me to the concepts. And then I kept asking people that. And then eventually, you know, they had that conversation on Lowell's and it was like, yeah, but nobody's actually playing GTO, which I think is true because it's kind of impossible to, for, for most of us, it's impossible to make GTO lineups. Uh, we just don't have like the, the mechanisms by which we play. We can't figure out which lineups are actually GTO, which was, uh, that was an interesting conversation. But yeah, I, uh, the, I, I felt like I needed to ask him. And that, he, he's one of the rare that I, I asked him whether it has evolved over time, whether he uses ownership, because that was also something that stuck out to me, was that conversation on Lowell's where he said, yeah, I don't really factor in ownership. And then he went off and, and Brick and Pete kept on talking. And Brick was like, well, that's just wrong. Like, like he just right. like, called him out essentially saying like, it's wrong to say ownership doesn't matter. So I was like, I, and like, I was like, I don't totally buy it that he doesn't factor in ownership. So I thought it was worth uh, getting back into that conversation a little bit. And then I also asked him about duplicates because I think he, he had said on Lowell's that he doesn't really worry about duplicates. And he was also a little bit, I think, confused about what they meant. And by that, multiple of the same lineup himself, as opposed to like being duplicated by the field. So I brought that up again, and he, I believe he said that he doesn't really factor it in that much, which kind of surprised me. I don't know if we were still, uh, still not totally on the same page as what we we're talking right. about. I'm not, cause I'm not sure. Cause that the duplication factor for like regular slates versus showdowns versus like matters, right. di it's, it's different, but I understand his, his standpoint of, of if, if there were only, 28 profitable lineups. If there's only 25 profitable lineups, just play them each six times. Yep. Like that would be better than playing unprofitable. Like that I understand. But my attitude yep. is that if there's only 25 profitable lineups, just play 25 lineups. Because right. you duplicating no yourself doesn't gain you any more, doesn't gain you anything more. Right. Right. So just play the 25. Like that's, that's, that technically he's correct because you're going to take up more of the pri more of the equity of the prize pool for every more entry that you put in. But with the variance involved in sports, like good luck figuring out, like there's only 25 profitable lineups and you're going to play it like, like good luck. Get and then the duplication of those lineups. So I, th I think it's more of the matter with, uh, with, with whistles is that he doesn't, he doesn't start from that, like we start from two separate ends of the spectrum, right? So there's like, we'll use MMA as an example because we both play it uh, or NFL showdown, whatever. It could be whatever. Uh, I come from the, fir the, I first think in terms of how can I find the lesser duplicated lineups? Not necessarily the unique lineups, but the lesser duplicated lineups. I don't want lineups that are duplicated 40 times. There's no, they, in, in a realistic sense on any given slate, there's no lineup that is so higher win probability that you can make up for 40 duplicates. Like, so like from a realistic, I could just start eliminating those lineups, right? Because I'm never going to encounter a slate where those lineups, even duplicating 40 times and winning first place and splitting it 40 ways is, is plus EV versus other lineups that are only duplicated twice or three times or, or unique or something. So like right. I start from that side of like, let me get rid of all the combinations yep. that I know I shouldn't play, regardless of their win probability, because they'll never have that high of a win probability. And then once I get rid of that, then I start thinking about what are the best projected lot. Like then, then you're optimizing 
for 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 that and getting plus EV lineups. David, I believe, does does the other way of let me figure out what the top win probability lineups are, and then if I'm playing like if I'm not on par with the the duplicate, like he still factors in the duplication, but he'd rather play a lineup that is duplicated seven times. Let's let's say, for instance, we're going to use a uh, just a pure made up example. The EV of a like, here's an EV of a lineup, a dollar twenty six, right? So you get twenty six cents for every dollar. There's a there's a dollar twenty six, and it's and it's duplicated, and it's unique. And there's another lineup that's a dollar twenty five, and it's duplicated seven times, right? Because only because it comes in, maybe it doesn't win, but it comes in the top hundred more often than the unique lineup. It comes in like that dollar twenty six lineup. Most of that EV comes from when it wins, right? Yep. It doesn't really come in all the any of the other places. So it, like it either wins or gets you nothing. For one cent less in EV, you get a lineup that on average gets you twenty five cents. It doesn't win as often, but it comes in the top thousand often enough. I'm coming up. It may there may not be a lineup that exists like this, but it comes up often right. enough that once you average everything out, it's at a dollar twenty-five lineup. And David just chooses to play th- more of those types of lineups for the sake of you know variance control, for the sake of diversification yeah. in his set, and he doesn't get to those. While someone like Brian Jester. Is like that dollar twenty six with one. Give me a lot of those types of lineups, and hopefully yeah. one of them bubbles up to the top. And if that doesn't happen, minus ninety plus percent on a slate. While David's lineups are more likely to be like when he loses, he's only losing like forty percent of his, you know, twenty to forty percent of his entries doing that. But when he wins, he w- he wins a lot of fourteen way dupes, ten way dupes, seven way dupes like that. That. Over the if we played this out over a million slates, like someone like Brian Jester has slightly more money than him, but yeah. David still has plenty of money also, because right. he wins even with a ten way dupe, often enough based on his his optimization method. So that's what I believe. Yeah, that David is conceptually doing yeah. more of. So when he says he doesn't care about duplication, I don't think that's it's. There's nothing that's black or white. It's just that right. that's not the starting point in which he goes from. He goes more from from that 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 win probability, that projection based standpoint. And yes, he'll try not to have lineups that are duped forty times, but he's not specifically going after high standard deviation unique lineups. And he doesn't mat- mind having a bunch of five to seven way type of lineups and right. And whatever happens, happens. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm trying to think if that makes more sense or less sense given his massive bankroll at this point. Because he could obviously withstand the forever dollar twenty six lineups more than most of us could with his bankroll. But at the same time, he doesn't really have the need because he plays so many different sports and contests and has so much money at play that why take on that extra risk if you don't need to? Right. Right. It's a risk tolerance issue when it comes to yeah. that. This is this is assuming that you're able to calculate the expected value of the lineups. Right. Right. Like if like if if you don't have an if you don't if you don't have an accurate way of computing that, you're you're much more likely to run into plus EV lineups when they're unique, 
when they're duped twice. Yeah. When they're duped, you understand what I'm saying? Like, like in MMA, yeah. I'm looking to play lineups that are that have high win probabilities that are under five dupes. If I get uniques, yeah. I get uniques. That's perfect. I, great. I get uniques also, but like I have no way of making all the possible lineups and then coming up with like. Like this lineup that's duped eight times has the same expected value as this lineup duped three times. That has the same expect. All I know is that that it's it's like having bucket buckets of marbles, and it's like well I know there's a lot of red marbles in this bucket, and I know there's less red marbles in this. I'm just more likely like if I care more about the uniqueness, I'm gonna run into more plus EV lineups, even though they're high standard deviation lineups, and if I don't care about that. It's quite possible I play 150 lineups and 90 of them are minus EV because right. they're, they're they're duplicated too much. Yep. Even though David may have some of those lineups, he he is more likely to have the 5 to 10 dupe lineups that are actually plus EV and I'm more likely to have the 5 to 10 dupe lineups that are negative EV. So right. just in the same way that when you play MMA you're like, why don't I just cut the salary off at 495? That's just a blunt way of since I have no way of determining forty nine six lineups and above that are unique, it's so much more easy to just I'll just find this bucket that has more maybe more red marbles in it because I just don't have a way of sorting. I have a way of sorting that out. You yeah, don't in MMA, yeah. right in MMA, but I don't have a way of calculating the EV of certain lineups that have certain combinations of fighters that I deem to have too many average dudes like. What I calculate, if you if you put all these four fighters together, there are like 30 combinations of the other two fighters, and the average duplication is like 24. But that's the average. There may be two lineups that are combinations that are unique and, and two lineups that are duplicated 60 times. It's just the average is 24. But can I find the two that are unique? If I Because if I'm wrong, I find the ones that are duplicated 60 times. So my... My best way of getting not getting those lineups are just taking those four fighters and saying no more than three, right? And making right. a group like that. So like that's that's my blunt, my secondary blunt methodology. David, because of his background, has a much more precise way of like, yeah, yeah sometimes I do get that one unique that's 50K that no one else is playing in MMA or he doesn't play MMA, but I'm just like those NFL showdown lineups that are just like, Here's a lineup that's only duped twice that spent 49-9 on a slate where you almost look at this and you go, how do you make unique lineups? And yes, I guess there were like five lineups, 49-9 plus, that were under five dupes and it just so happened to be this combination. And you look at the combination and you almost think like, how is it not duped? And it just so happens. It's because of some correlation thing of like, well, you're playing like two running backs and one in the captain and no quarterback or something. And it's like, yeah, it's a 49-9 lineup that kind of doesn't make any sense from like a, from like a, how the game plays out, but shit happens in a low scoring game. And maybe that's exactly optimal, but he has more of a methodology of doing that, 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 uh, but most other people don't. Very few have that. I think maybe a dozen. How many, how many, DFS players have that kind of capability. Not many. Yeah. And that's what I rely on, the fact that I'm, thank, I'm, thank God that not many don't. So my directionally accurate methodology is better than most people's no methodology. 
That, that brings up a, another interesting conversation that you were having yesterday. Uh, Justin Freeman posted about how many – he posted asking whether the top 10 players by volume, DFS players by volume, play more or less than $10 million per year. And, and you were saying that you think that is over 100, which kind of blew my mind. And then I thought about it a little bit more because I'm way less than that. And I am, you know, according to the Roto-Grinders volume rankings, I'm a top 100 volume player. But that does. So I think that that is why, I, why it took me a little bit of uh, to, get, to get used to the idea. And then it's like, okay, I guess cash game players and people who play cash games or like uh, lower field contests can get a lot more money down without the same level of risk that I have. So, right. So I guess it makes some sense. The, the, the number's still over a hundred playing 10 million plus volume kind of blows my mind. But, yeah. But I mean, uh, 10, I the fact that 10, possible. that when Justin said 10, I'm like, like, you're not even close. I mean, like, like 10 million in volume is not as much as you think it is. Now, if you're a low, st- lower stake, if you play just the large field stuff, Right, like that's what you're doing, right? You know, yeah. So on a fifteen dollar, hundred and fifty max contest, you're playing twenty two fifty worth of volume, yeah. right? So even if you, and if you're just playing the main slates, let's say you just played literally, played twenty two fifty. I know the NFL millie makers are it varies, it's 20 varies, bucks, so right? 20 but let's just say on average you're playing you're playing twenty two fifty. Uh, and you just, so you're only playing one site and let's say you just literally play every day. So that'll count the, when you play the afternoon slate, when you play, like I'm just, we're just really ballparking it. Yep. If you did that every day, you'd be $821,250. Okay. If you did that on both sites, you'd be like 1.6 million. Okay. So I could understand if you're just a 150 max player playing NFL showdown, NFL main slate, NFL afternoon slate, MLB every day, NBA every day, NASCAR, MMA, PGA. Maybe you're playing one round four PGA showdown. Like maybe on both sites, on Yahoo, maybe uh, maybe you get two million in volume or something like that. Sounds about right for for a year. Two million in volume a year. Yeah, for 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 that. But like that isn't all of DFS. That's that's right. that's the most visible part of yeah. the, the those large field contests but you don't realize that that like i mean i could open up my app today and go on DraftKings, go to M- mlb for instance go to today's slate and there's an 888 dollar mega eights 15 max contest there is a uh Fantasy Baseball World Championship Mega Qualifier for $3,545 with a 2-max, okay? That's probably going to fill. So that's that's like, what, 68 people are in there. Even if they all have two entries, that's still a minimum of 34 people, right? We got, uh, we got a 6-man Thunderdome, an 8-man Thunderdome. Uh, we got, you know, $200, obviously... I'm not even counting. I'm not counting cash games now. Okay. Then I could go to PGA for the travelers coming up, go to the tournaments and there's a $555 27 max. There's a $200 single entry. There's a 134 man, $3,000 entry contest, right? So that that's a form. That's a four max. There's 134 entries. Even if everyone was a 4-max player, we're still talking about like 30 people, 
for that. And not everyone is a four max, right? So like that's probably 50, 60 people there for $3,000 entry. And then we're not even talking about NFL. Dude, you could play $5,000, $10,000, you know, 50-man yeah. contests in NFL. So like if you're a high stakes, just GPP player, and you, let's say you're playing on FanDuel, I could open up FanDuel. How much is the monster? How much is the, like, the, yeah. if you're playing the 555, 15 max, maybe you're playing four entries, five entries into that. That's $2,500 right there. On top of you, 150 maxing. Right. Like, dude, if you were just playing Neil, you alone, if you played on two sites and just played what you normally play, you'd probably do about a half, one and a half million dollars worth of volume total. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. So imagine if you just added uh, the high stakes stuff, you'd probably double that. And that's just yep. for the normal high stakes stuff. Let's say you played also the nosebleed. Now, you, now you're up to six, seven million, eight million. And this is right. And this is not even playing every slate. This is just playing. This is not playing cash games at all. Right. And this is just playing high stakes GPPs. I think it's fairly easy to get to ten million. And these yeah. contests are filled. I mean, we're not talk. We're not talking about yet. Yeah, not everyone's playing the Thunderdome, but eight guys are. If they're playing fifty three hundred dollars a day, I mean, just playing the Thunderdome on average every day. Because they may be playing multiple ones, right? They may be playing yeah. on the late slate. They're, right? So if you do that every day, that's $2 million just on the Thunderdome. And that may be, maybe some people only play the PGA Thunderdome. Some people only play, and if, like, maybe we're talking about, like, that's $2 million of volume just in the Thunderdome. Right. Like, literally, that's just one contest. So based on all of that, not even accounting for cash games. For $10,000, $5,000 head-to-heads, and you could eat up all the double ups in the lobby for like five to 10 grand. Like imagine playing just cash games and you're playing 10 grand a day, a day, which includes yeah. like night slates and showdowns. Right. That's already $3.6 million. So right. like you, if you didn't even play any GPPs, you could play $10 million worth of volume between two sites, three sites, four sites, like yeah. easily. Right, ten thousand dollars. I mean, it's it's so easy to do. Now you combine them both together. How is it like on the Auto Grinder standings? The cash game players aren't even there. Right. Right. So like, and, and the small field GPP. Like, if it's, I think it's at least it has to be at least a hundred people in the GPP. So like, Thunderdome players aren't there either. Right. So, so yeah. How how is it how is it not a hundred? Yeah. Ten I mean, million. Now, once you get up to like twenty five million. Now right. we start coming down lower and lower. And once we get, like they, someone said, how about the eight-figure players? I'm like, I think you can count the eight-figure players on one hand. Yeah. That are putting in a hundred million worth of, worth of volume. That's nine. Nine figures. Nine figures, right. Yeah, yeah, okay. Right. So seven seven figures is just one million. Yeah. Right? So there's plenty of that. Me, I'm, I'm that. Yeah. Even. Yeah. Right? You're that. Yeah. Uh, so if that's the case, then the the, the eight figure players, like they're got to be, they're got to be. I mean, dude, they're got to be a hundred of them, yeah. right? Because I, I could probably name. I could go on the road. I could just name. Like all these guys play much much higher volume than I do, and then yeah. once you get up to like McLovin and Utica and and awesome, then then now now you maybe you're talking about nine figure, 
Whistles, players. yeah, probably. Whistle, right. Now now, now you may... The people that... But probably a handful. Right, a handful. But these are the people that are literally playing the entire lobby on every slate, every site, and every sport. Right? They're yeah. like... The two-game turbo lot. NBA slate, they have $5,000 head-to-heads posted for. Right? They may... It may not fill. Yeah. It may... Right, whatever. But I'm just like... We're talking about... That's why I say you could count them on one hand to get 100 million yeah. in volume on one hand. Yeah. Is it a... Like, is my number 100? When I say 100 easily, maybe, maybe I'm... Uh, but it, I think I'm more likely to be that it's over 100 that get at least 10 million in volume in DFS play amongst any site that they play on. We barely count Super Draft or Yahoo because the liquidity... Is not that great anyway, right. uh, but FanDuel and DraftKings. I mean, look at NFL. Go to NFL. Go to the NFL lobby on opening week, and just open up the 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 thousand dollar plus head to heads. You're gonna you're gonna see 20, 30, 40 people. I mean, so if they're willing to play I saw that, Britt Devine. Brit Devine said that somebody. Uh, he said that there are players who get down a million dollars on an NFL Sunday. Yeah, and that. Uh, that's the crazy. NFL alone on a, a million dollars on an NFL Sunday, that means they make up $10 million like halfway through the season, yeah. right? Because also the, the primetime showdowns, they're probably playing also, right? Yeah. So it's like most of the people that are in that eight-figure category, I think are more likely, like I think the people past the 25 million category, like you, you pretty much need to be a cat. Like you're playing cash game. You're playing... You may be playing GPPs also, but you're you're more likely to be playing the head-to-heads, the large double-ups, the Thunderdomes, that yeah. type of stuff. But I think between the 10 and 25 million, there's still high-stakes GPP players that also yeah. won 50 max that that I could see there, there, there being 80 of those people. Yeah. I, yeah, I think, I think in general, the people who are playing higher volume are the cashier-type players or the players playing lower lower risk contest than the ones that I play. Like they're, they're not playing they're not typically putting most of their money on the large field GPPs, I guess because you really can't. I mean, like I, I generally I think I basically maxed those out last year and I I think I came I think I played around two and a half million volume last year and that's the most I've ever played. Uh, and that's with with some uh, some high stake stuff as well. But yeah, I, I don't think that's possible to get anywhere close to 10 million playing uh, the the lower stakes, the large field stuff. So I, I think that you're right, probably. I, it, it just, it blew my mind at first because I had to think about, oh, it's the people who are playing cash games who are actually getting down a lot more volume. It's just that money is being shifted back and forth a lot right, more. Right, right. The return, the ROI on that money, money is like maybe 2% or something. I mean, like, yeah, and that's the reason why, like, if you're putting in $50 million worth of volume at, like, let's just say you're putting in 50, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and you're, let's say you're getting 1%. That's that's a half a million dollars in profit, right? right? 2%, yeah. that's a million dollars. And like, it sounds like a lot, oh, they're putting a lot of money, but it's, a, a, they're not starting with 50 million. Right. They have, they, have a, they have a 10 million, they have a 7 million to $10 million bankroll. And they're yeah. playing like, like $300,000, $400,000 a day to generate like a 1% to 2% return. Yeah. Over and over, and they're spreading their money out on turbo slates and everything. Like, and that's what they're doing. I mean, like, it's not. We're not talking about important. GPP players here. 
it's important. I think non-DFS players struggle with the concept that it's recycled money too. So like I could right. play $3,000 on the first day of the year, win back exactly 3000 play exactly that 3000 again. And like, you're playing the exact same money over and over. And that's going to count as 3000 times 365 right. is what that's going to come out as, as money down. So it's, it's really not as massive as a number. So when I say I'm playing two and a half million, it's not like I have two and a half million on the sites, right. like I ever, you know, deposited two and a half million or anything like that. It's just, uh, it's recycled money over, you know, over and over and over again. Right. Yeah. But that, but that's the, that's the appeal of DFS in comparison to, like season long best ball or sports betting. I mean, sport, no, sports betting is related to that. Uh, or the stock market, right? Someone will look at an ROI and go, why would I want to play 3%? I, if you have a 3% ROI in cash games, like why wouldn't I just, uh, I could just, I could buy a bond for five and a half percent. I mean, like, no, no, it's not 3% like APR, it's 3% right. a day. Yeah. compounded over 365 days while you're listing a 5.5% annual return, right? right? If you have $100,000 and you're getting a 5% return, right? You're talking about what? Five grand. If you get a 5% return on $100,000 and you're betting 10% of your money per day, so you're paying... $10,000 and you're getting an average return of, of 5%. Okay. So that's, that's yeah. what? 500 bucks. 500. Yeah. Right. And now your next day, your bankroll is more. Yeah. It's 100,500. Right. And now you, now you're playing uh 10, uh, $10,050 into play. Right. And you, and you're getting on average 5% of that. On average, right? Because some, because obviously days you double and days you don't, right? I mean, it's not like you're gonna jet. It's just on average over time that by the end of the year, 365 days, the person that put their five percent, okay, I put it into a bond. They have a hundred thousand dollars, hundred thousand and five, right? A hundred and five thousand dollars. The person that is churning five percent a day probably has like three hundred fifty, four hundred thousand dollars. Right. Right. Because you're getting that return like every day, not yeah. all. But people don't see a lot of, if you're trying to compare the two, it's 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 different. That's why when I look at best ball, I go, I get it. I get it. If you, if you have like a 30% ROI in best ball, 30, 40%, if you, like on, on average, if you could compute it, like, yeah, that's a good AP, that's a good APR, right? Right. But it's like. That's to me, that's like buying a, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's better than buying a 5% bond. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. But you're not churning anything. If I were to, if I had a hundred thousand dollars and it's like, do I want a 40% return on that? Like, sure. Yeah, absolutely. If it's risk-free, sure. Give it to me. But of course it's right. not and turn that into 140,000. But if you say that, that instead you could get a 3% return daily, like I'd much rather have the three percent return daily because at the end of the year I'm not going to have one hundred forty thousand dollars. I'm going to have like two hundred twenty thousand dollars. Right. Right. So like that's that to me, that's the reason why best ball does not appeal to me because I don't think it's you're essentially playing one slate. Yeah. So and it's, it's like very time consuming to play that one. Slate. Right. I'm and playing one is, slate yeah. with one hundred and fifty rosters when I could do that like. If I wanted to, like five times daily, 
Right. On, on, no, truthfully, like maybe eight times daily because there's two sites in multiple sports, in showdowns, and yeah. who knows what. Like if I have an, if I have if I have enough of an edge in best ball, like I even if it's a smaller edge in in DFS, why wouldn't I rather well, sports betting? Why wouldn't I rather just if I if I could find off lines and be able to get the money down? That's the main thing. Why wouldn't I want to take that hundred thousand dollars and do that that daily, than to put a hundred thousand dollars into best ball? Like right. from, from an ROI perspective, assuming that you have you know, the same ROI in both best ball doesn't make a lot of sense. If you have like the same EV in both, you'd rather get that in DFS where you can play daily and get daily returns from a life perspective and getting bang for your buck. If you're not somebody who has a major uh, positive EV, then best ball probably makes more sense right. where it's just it's entertainment. You got a full year of entertainment for this one team you made. Right. Right. Well, of course. Yeah. Well, once you, once you take out the, the, you're factoring in like doing what's best time versus money, then right. yeah, of course. Then at that yeah, point, yeah. you then then it's subjective, right? Yeah, whatever yeah, you right. find True. to be whatever. Okay. So what I'm doing did, did, on, on that yeah. time versus money thing, I, you were saying something. Oh, sorry. We uh, I got I, I was lagging there for a second. Um, no, all, all I was saying is that I do both. I I enjoy best ball enough that I'm still willing to do it, and I also think like theoretically i feel like my ev should be better in best ball just because it's kind of an untapped thing like people don't really know what they're doing yet uh the problem is i i don't know that i really know what i'm doing yet either it's not like i'm doing any kind of advanced research into best ball but i think theoretically enough people are you know not correlating their lineups at all and are making pretty terrible lineups that it should i should be able to find more edge in best ball than dfs uh that has not been borne out in my results so far but i've played two years which is essentially two slates so I don't know if I should read too much into that. And getting on the subject we were talking about before with the exploiting, right? That cash game, the exploiting three men. We were talking about all that before. And to tie it into that time versus money thing, uh, I discussed it on the on the DFS pregame show towards the end today that I'm going to I'm gonna try an experiment because I'm getting sick of baseball and I'm not a big... I, I, I'm getting sick of building 150 lines. I'm getting sick of that. I'm just getting... It just... So much time, so like I'm just like I don't I don't is the edge there? Is it worth the variance? I'm I'm having I, and we talked about this the last time. I'm having more of a a a focus on where are the edges rather than just doing what you're used to because that's what you're used to. And based on yeah. the conversation this morning, I want to see if I could do like take advantage of the FanDuel like hundred man, twenty man type of lobby. I, I need to I need to see what people are doing a little bit more. But in the way of what I'm what I'm gonna do is try to play the least dupe I'm gonna try to do that theoretically optimal thing. To play the least duplicated highest projected lineup. Because a lot of people play cash game lineups into those types of contests or they play like the chalkiest stack, chalkiest pitcher. So what I'm going to attempt to do, because only because it'll take me much less time, is to basically download all the projections across the industry and look at the basically what's the optimal lineup for this set of projections, what's the optimal lineup for that set of projections, what's the optimal lineup of the aggregate, and then look at all those lineups and see what are the correlations between those lineups 
And if like Mike Trout, Mike Trout, Mike Trout, Mike Trout, I X out Mike Trout and then run. What's the optimal lineup without Mike Trout? What's the projection difference? Because if the projection goes down way too dramatically, then then I know I need to keep Mike Trout in the line. This, this would be more beneficial for like, more uh, useful for NBA. Like, yes. Yeah. Yes, the $3,800 point guard that projects for 7 million points is going to be an old, but if I take him out, my projection drops 12 points. Like, obviously, I don't want to get rid of those people. But then look across and go, what are the most correlative pieces? Like, out of these four lineups, four of them have Mike Trout. Three of them have Raphael Devers, right? Two of them have this. It's like, and then go, if I eliminate the duplication right, of the lineups, and I try to be as less duplicative for the highest projection, theoretically, the more that my opponents duplicate each other, just like we were talking about before in a progressive payout structure contest, I'm not, we're not necessarily even talking about duplicating their own lineups. In a perfect world, I would want two of my opponents to have the same exact lineup, right? We talked about that before. Gives me equity automatically. But let's say two people have the same, don't have the same lineup, but they're a 1v1. Well, that's close That's that's close to that also, right? Because now, as long as I don't play these seven players together with each other, these two guys have too much of a, a duplication amongst themselves that they're fighting out just one player. But maybe across a 10-man contest or a 100-man contest, I'm not talking about 1,000-man contests. I'm talking about 100-man 100, 100 or less where people are more likely to play cash-style lineups Mm-hmm. Can I find the most duplication amongst those lineups and simply exploit by not playing that that combination of players? So I'm kind of like going in, going, the projections don't even matter anymore. Like, unless there's a situation where one guy projects for way too much, and that would be more likely to happen in basketball than in baseball. Yeah. Uh, but simply doing that. So essentially, I'm not thinking. All I'm yeah. doing is going, I'm going to find four lineups, Eliminate the the guys that are the most duplicated between those lineups. What's the what's the highest projected lineup, regardless of correlation, right? Yep. And play and just and play that lineup. And as long as I'm like a six v six off of all these combinations, theoretically, and my projection doesn't go down by more than like a point or so, theoretically, I should have the most equity. I should, if I simulated it, should have. On average, the most equity available in the contest, assuming that it's a progress, it has to be like a hundred man top twelve pay, right? Twenty man top three, pay, you know, top four pay, the ten man top three pay, a three so man, a five man, you know, those types of contests. But so you're not planning on running stacks here? Uh, that's the only that see in NBA this would be easy because you wouldn't have to yeah. worry about correlation. That's the only thing that I that I have not that I'm debating. Okay. Should I be, because it's still a GPP to some right. extent, Unread. and correlation matters, especially on FanDuel baseball, uh, yeah. should I be running, like, should I at least be running a four-man stack? Even if it's right. a four one four x lineup, should right. my top projected lineup be four-man? Four or I think I solved my own problem, Neil. I think the better, the, the, the only thought that should go into my mind is once I find the duplicated players between the lineups that are more likely to be played and X them out, run the optimal. As long as the optimal is within a point or so, 
even with those players X'd out, see that lineup, and that lineup may not be a correlated lineup. They may not be a stack in there. Then run, with those players eliminated, right, the same players eliminated, run a 4X lineup. So the 4X lineup compared to the all one-off yeah. type of lineup, if the projection difference is like a point for between those, I'd rather have the correlated line. I then At that point, give me the four-man stack because that's better off for GPPs. But if the four-man stack versus the, the cashy, non-duplicated lineup is like a three or four-point difference, five-point difference, then maybe I just play the two, one, 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 whatever. Like, that would be the only thought process. Is the projection worth the correlation? Which is what you should be thinking out yeah. about anyway. I but, would think the correl- in that case, I would take the correlation. It was like three points. I would think the correlation is worth more than that. But well, I would. No, I don't know. That was, I, I'm saying three just as an example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, I'm know, saying it, use an X, whatever that yeah. number is. But that's the only thing that I would have to judge: yeah. is the correlation worth X amount of points in projection? And then play a four. Don't play a four four. Don't play a four three, because I still want to keep my projection very high, and yeah. just play a four X. And as long as I'm not have those combinations that are the most duplicated. I think, I mean, I'm, I'm theorizing. Maybe I'm wrong. Email me, tweet me at Blender HD. Email me, jordanetheoryofdfs.com. To me, this only works if I'm able to predict lineups. Like, obviously, if, if I go into, if I take a look the first couple of days and I'm like, yeah, people really aren't playing these, these four lineups. And I was like, no, actually... Actually, Trout was only 15% on in this contest, even though right. I thought he was going to be in all the, like, then I see that people are not playing these optimals and even close to those. Then my whole thing goes out the window because now, right. now I'm just playing a lineup that I think is better than other line. Like then it, it doesn't satisfy the, am I gaining enough equity simply by not being duplicative? Right. Yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting uh, experiment. I've always assumed that in hundred mans, people are still running uh, stacks, but maybe, maybe you've uh, found different in your. I, I don't play a lot of hundred man contests, right? Except occasionally I play like FanDuel, uh, like qualifiers. Occasionally I'll do MLB qualifiers, um, and I think they're typically stacked. But but also you have to put into the perspective of with what I'm doing. Let's say, for instance, that in all the cash optimals, right, or something like that. Let's say it's the Blue Jays, for instance. Mm-hmm. And you see, oh, the, the cash optimal from all these sources, Bo Bichette's in all four of them. And Teoscar Hernandez is in three of them. And Vlad Guerrero is in two of them, right? And I eliminate yeah. Vlad, Bo, Bichette, and, uh, and Teoscar. What, what, what's most likely in the 100 mans? Most likely people are playing a four-man Blue Jay stack. And I've already eliminated three guys that I'm not going to be in my lineups. So what are the chances my four-man stack is going to be a Blue Jay stack? Probably pretty unlikely. Right. And what's the chances I'm going to have one-off Blue Jays? Unlikely. Oh, yeah, very right. Unlikely. So basically I'm not being correlative to those lineups. Because the guys that are projecting the best that are going to be in most of those lineups are also more likely to be part of stacks. Yeah. In general, right? If Trout and Atani are chalk, I'm most likely going to see Angel stacks in my in my hundred mans, right? So yeah. if if I know play Angel stacks, like I'm automatically like, it's it's unlikely that by eliminating Otani and Trout and pressing the four man stack optimal, that I'm going to get like like Taylor a uh, four man Angel stack that doesn't have right. Trout and Otani in it because yeah. I've eliminated them already. So yeah. I don't want to be it's uh, and the best case scenario is that I'm playing a four-man whatever-the-hell stack, and 
I have 30% of my opponents playing an Angel stack and another 30% of my opponents playing Trout or Atani in their lineup. And then another 30% that are playing Jared Walsh in their lineup. And then, like, I'm relying on the fact that I have no Angels in my lineup. And it's like, dude, as long as the Angels don't go nuclear, like, I've eliminated, like, 90% of the lineups in this contest. And my projection difference is only two points. Right. Yeah, that's best-case scenario. I think it's, it's also, uh, depending on the slate, I think a lot of times just playing the optimal, you're going to have stacks, which uh, right. we've seen. Like, if, if it's a, you know, Rock is at home situation where the team total is, or the, the game total is 11 and a half and the rest of the games are nine or lower, probably the optimal is going to have uh, some stacks from that game anyway. But, but I'm excited. Yeah. I'm exper- I mean, I'm theorizing. I'm exper- and what I'm, see what happens. Right. I'm doing it on FanDuel, but I'm, I'm contemplating... See, DraftKings, it, it doesn't happen. As I, I'd, I'd rather do it on FanDuel. FanDuel's a little softer. Uh, the problem on FanDuel is that I can't download anything, right? Because what yeah. I what I would have want to do is download the contests just to see if I run it out and get, like, if I just run a simple, like, Monte Carlo simulation on all the players, see what that, what the results, because of the duplication between players. So I don't just... Because if I don't do that, I basically just need to have a large sample size. So I need to like I need to do this, and I need to do it consistently for the rest of the season, type yeah. of thing to to even come close to some type of some type of thing like that. But it would be yeah. so much easier to just simulate it out even in Excel that it's just like okay, right. this is what the hundred man looked like, and I played this lineup, and these guys played that lineup. Let me let me just run out outcomes and see how often do I beat out like certain things and then what my equity is based on because of the duplication right. of the players combinatorically. Like I'm sure someone else could do it. I'm sure someone's listening right now there going, yeah, I could probably sure. let that. They, yeah. they could do it. They could do it themselves, but draft yeah. would be so much easier because I could just download the goddamn CSV and yeah. just like, and just put it in and do it. FanDuel, I would literally have to just go through and manually input or scrape it, which FanDuel you pretty much can't do anymore. Uh, right. Anyone that does probably gets seven million uh, recaptures. Yeah. Right. I don't get because I, I I haven't tried in God knows how long, uh, so I don't I don't get that as often. But you could always you could always tell whenever I see people complaining about uh, captures on FanDuel, it's like yeah yeah they they've been trying to scrape the site a lot. Right. And uh, and uh, FanDuel says uh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> yep. It's frustrating. So that's what I'm up to. What are you up to? Anything before we get out of here? Uh, I will be recording an interview of High Stakes tomorrow with uh, Need Lunch Money, Eric Most, uh, who, as I, as I told you before the show, he, he's a guy who had previously made a comment on one of my posts uh, when, when Brian Jester came on and I asked for questions. He said, uh, tell, me, tell me what it's like to have come up with the most interesting DF, what's probably the most interesting DFS podcast right now. Uh, and we, we kind of made fun of that, that he kind of, in my in response to my own uh, post asking for questions about, uh, for, for Jester, he basically said that I don't have the, that Jester's podcast is better than mine. Uh, but we we're just making fun of that. And then and found out later that he has need lunch money, uh, and I'm going to be interviewing him tomorrow, which I, I talked to him a little bit. He seems like a really sharp guy. It'll be an interesting conversation. So recording that tomorrow. Even if you don't have the most interesting podcast of the type, how many are there? There's not, I mean, that's the thing. There's not that many. 
Well, and, and so what does it matter? As long as there's not that many, that everyone's listening to anything anyway. Oh, that's, to me, that's a good point. Right? I mean, it's like to me, it's like the the types of podcasts like that are like mine, yours, and 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 Brian's. Is there any I other podcast discussions? Yeah, yeah, that has that's like not that I'm aware of general DFS discussions or interviews where it's not just slate related, where it's not just yeah. sport related or anything, where it's just like that's just two people having a discussion. Of course, Brian deals more with. The, the 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 swings and the bankroll yeah. side and and that type of stuff and less on the strategy yours right. deals with more of the process right yeah. you go into like more how i have a single person tell me about your life and tell me about your process yeah. and this is just more i've always even though i have guests on i've never considered this an interview show it's to me it's just like two respected good players just talking about what they feel like talking about that day yeah. it's based on what show. has been happening yeah no real plan no going in this we're going to talk about whatever whatever comes up yeah right and that's why yeah, you so get into they're certain all, moods they're all unique shows right you get into certain yeah. moods it's like oh sometimes you want to talk about this and sometimes it's like well this thing happened and let's talk about that and which makes it yeah. m- very easy to plan for that's right right it's easy you for say me. what's up and that's it and you start yeah yep <laughs> exactly Player Q DFS on Twitter, high stakes podcast. Find it on all the places you get your podcasts on 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 Stochastic. It's it's going to take a while to get used to that. Yeah, two times uh, since since the switch. I think it's uh it's inevitable. We, we've we've been the, the site's been Osmo forever. We've all called it Osmo forever, so it's kind of natural to want to keep calling it Osmo. But yeah, uh, it is now Stochastic. I'm getting used to it. Getting used to saying that. I'm going to have to switch the hat so I have the the, the, rem- the visual reminder that it's not awesome anymore. Did Behind the scenes, do you guys call it Stoke or something? Uh, I have not. I have not heard it called Stoke. Just Stochastic so far. Get Stoked. S-T-O-K apostrophe D. Right? Get Stoked. Stoked. Cool. I'm That's stoked. Cool. Maybe, that'll be, maybe that'll be our catchphrase at some point. I don't know. Uh. Endless possibilities. But of course, you you go you, you go from a, a site name that people misspelled to another site name that people are going to misspell. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Because people are going to put true. in Stoketastic. They're yep. going to put in Stoketastic, and they've changed the K and the D. Stotastic, and yeah, right. It's, it's going to be it'll be an adjustment for sure. Scotastic with the S K. They'll spell it the way the, the word is spelled S T O C H A S T I C. The word that it is uh, based off of, and this is K instead of C H. Right, in order to, in order to get the trademark, of course. Yeah. Because yeah. you can't have the ch in it because it's a regular word. Yeah. Right. People people behind the, Tom knows what he's doing, right? Yeah. Yeah. They right. they know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. And you can find me at Blender HD as always. Uh, Fifteen hour audio DFS masterclass. You can pick up at theoryofdfs.com.